Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. On this week's episode, we have interior designer extraordinaire Jeff Trotter. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, how are you, Alan? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on today's episode. How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, readjusting to life uh, kind of post-COVID and uh, making the most of it, you know, just trying to like reintegrate into society somehow. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, things are moving very quickly, as I'm sure you're very aware, especially exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Jeff, uh, it would be great to kind of get some background on, you know, maybe where you're born and raised. Yeah, well, I am a, a rare native Angelino. So I'm from L.A., born and raised, West Los Angeles. And um, I've been here really all my life. My family is all pretty local as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't strayed too far. Um, went to UCLA for college, uh, worked in art uh, direction, set design earlier on in my career and started interior design. Really, I've always been in, involved in interior design one way or the other. I started my own firm uh, Jeff Trotter design about eight years ago now. So time's flying. Wow. That's amazing. Eight years. I know time does really fly, especially in the city. So yes, it does. What, um, I mean, you are kind of a rarity in the sense of being, uh, a, a real life Angelino born and raised. <laughs> um, I know one of the rare ones, right? Yeah. We're, we're a rare breed. How was that kind of growing up? Like, because I feel like the city has so much culture and so much history, like, did that really, like, did that influence you in kind of deciding to go into interior design or um, was it just something that you've kind of grown up or always loved? You know, interior design has always been a passion of mine since I was a little kid. I was the, I was the, the little boy rearranging his room and, mm. and rearranging furniture and, and trying to get new bedding for my mom. Um, I just, I had a deep down gut feeling that the space that I surrounded myself with really influenced my interior world. Um, so I think I realized at a young age, how having a space that reflected your own personality or your, your, uh, your aesthetic really, uh, enhanced kind of your life experience. So that, that kind of is how my love for interiors began. It was kind of innate within me. But living in the city, uh, you know, it's hard to say because I don't really know any anything other than Los Angeles. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people that are natives here, born and raised, are probably a bit more normal, <laughs> uh, a bit more on the normal side than uh, you know a ton of people that moved to this city to you know, pursue dreams or whatever whatever they whatever brings them to the city. Um, I think a lot of people that are natives tend to be a little bit more grounded uh, and, uh, realistic in their expectations. Um, because, you know, this is just home to us. So not all of us are necessarily, um, coming here to find ourselves or to pursue something outside of us. Um, a lot of it is just kind of, it's, it's home to me. So it's hard for me to look at Los Angeles through any other lens, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I can't imagine. Yeah. The, the city is definitely like the city of dreams. So like you said, people definitely come here for a specific reason, but growing up here, yeah, it's just home to you. And if you don't know something you have to pursue, you're just like, I want to do this, work in this industry and do that. Then it's kind of just what you do. So that makes sense. And I'm super, super grateful for that too, because being in a city like Los Angeles, a large metropolitan city, there's a little bit of everything at your fingertips. So you're exposed to 
all sorts of different cultural experiences, um, different, different art is all around you, different ways of life. There is uh, a level of access, um, and especially if you're born into a certain amount of privilege, which I was mm. just being you know, a, a white male in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, a lot of opportunities that I think a lot of people don't necessarily have when they grow up in a smaller town, in a, in a smaller community, or maybe in a more rural place. So um, I've tried to take advantage of all those opportunities and, and really kind of uh, use them to my advantage. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, you bring up a really good point because the city does have everything at its fingertips, especially for creatives or people that, you know, want to be in the creative field. So I definitely uh, think that not necessarily that you have the upper hand, but you've, you're almost like set out from the get go, right. To be able to kind of do what you want, um, because you're already here. You don't have to travel across the country to, to get to LA to try and figure it out. But exactly. Yeah. You know, if you could share some of your personal struggles, but also career struggles, uh, that you feel have helped you to really become, uh, the amazing creative that you are now. Oh, thank you. First of all, uh, I would say, look, everybody, Everyone faces adversity when it comes to their personal life, their career, whatever it is. I think it is the ability to recognize that adversity for what it is, recognize the struggle that you're in for, and really put in the work and the effort to move through that to overcome it. Um, for me, I at an early age was always you know interested in interior design. It was always a passion of mine. I wasn't necessarily, um, that love of mine wasn't really fostered by my parents necessarily. Mm. They had different ideas or maybe ambitions for me career-wise. And I, uh, I pursued those paths to a degree, but I knew in my heart and my gut that creating art and specifically becoming an interior designer was my trajectory. It was my path. It was something that was meant for me. And so I think listening to my gut, learning to listen to my gut and learning to follow my own path, um, even when I necessarily didn't know what I was doing in the moment or didn't know the the uh, projected outcome, didn't know if, if it was a safe path for me to travel down to, to uh, achieve this career. Um, I think those are struggles that every creative maybe faces. And I was just fortunate enough to, at an early enough age, realize that it was something that I really wanted to do, push through um, any kind of barriers that I was met with, and uh, was really able to create the life that I imagined for myself and that I'm living today. So That's amazing. So you kind of shared uh, your parents had a different, uh, an alternative version of what they wanted you to do. Can you kind of elaborate (laughs) on that? Like what was, I feel like parents have such an influence usually on their kids, but um, so many times we kind of go the, not necessarily opposite way, but we don't always, you know, fulfill that. So I'm just curious kind of what they wanted versus what you obviously wanted to do and, and are doing now. Look, my parents are, you know, my father's passed away. Though, but my parents are super uh, supportive of my my career and are really proud of everything I've achieved thus far. But I think, you know, when you're younger, they want you to choose a safer path. Maybe you become a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, a quote unquote businessman, mm-hmm. whatever that means to them. Um, but something that, uh, there, that had a built-in safety net, for instance, um, something that had a, a great 401k involved and maybe didn't 
uh, didn't include me possibly being a starving artist at some point or another. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for their love and support in, in, uh, in a lot of ways, but it also was a fire underneath me to really get out there and, and kind of prove myself and, and show them also that what I was doing was meant for me. And, I could become a successful businessman, you know, quote unquote businessman, uh, but just in a different, in a different arena than maybe what they had imagined was possible for me. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I definitely understand. I come from a history and line of professionals. My mom is a dentist and there's a lot of dentists in my family and my sister is in the medical field as well. So being the artist of the family is definitely looked at differently, but always being very supported by my family, which I'm so grateful for because not everyone has that, for lack of a better term, kind of privilege. Um, so that's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that you're your family is supportive and loves what you do. Oh yeah. It, it's one of those, it's funny because, you know, when I was younger, my parents obviously wanted me to kind of follow a certain path, but when I broke out on my own and, and I decided to go into interior design and open up my own firm, they were, you know, of course supportive, but they, just be careful, have a plan B, you know, just be, be cautious. And, uh, fast forward almost, you know, about a decade later now, uh, I've, built and designed my my sister's home mm -hmm. i'm currently in the process of building and finishing up building and uh renovating and designing my mom's home so it's this kind of funny sort of full circle movement a uh, moment where um you know now my mom is like oh you know and can you do this too and how about this for my house and and uh so it's yeah it's just kind of it's, it's a nice moment to now have my mom as a a client or customer. So talking um, about interior design and the fact that you are here in LA, you know, it seems like a very competitive uh, industry. Do you feel like you really have to like fight uh, for your clients and kind of doing, I don't know if you do marketing or how that kind of works, but you know, and design is always kind of changing. So do you feel like it's something that you have to really push for, or is it kind of once you've established yourself in as the way you have, you don't necessarily, you know, kind of constantly fight for clients or is that not the case? You know, the short answer to that question is no, I do not feel pressure. Um, and it's not because I've achieved a certain level of success necessarily. It's because of, I think it's more about the, uh, perspective that I hold towards what I do. Um, I consider myself an artist. I create spaces that are, uh, reflective of my client's needs, but they're all filtered through my creative lens. So I really believe that, yes, it may be a competitive field in this city, the state, uh, many cities around the country. I do believe that every interior designer is an artist and we all are going to create something that is unique and different. We all have different things to offer our clients. And I think there's room for every creative in this industry. I think there's always uh, a different perspective on something, a different vantage point. I respect my peers immensely. I'm constantly inspired by other interior designers that I know. I have a great uh, support you know, group of different designers that I'm able to lean on and, and uh, vice versa. But I really, yeah, I tr really try never to think about fighting for clientele or fighting for something um, I believe in working hard and really honing my own craft and uh, honing my own creative eye. But I really do believe no one, no two artists are going to create the same art. So 
there's space for everybody. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a lane for everyone. And I've just been really fortunate to have a lot of the right projects find me and for me to find the right projects and they've kind of allowed my career to flourish and my creativity to flourish. So um, that's the perspective that I hold towards what I do, at least. I love that. Absolutely. You are definitely an artist and putting together, you know, a home and making it this like piece of art, this living piece of art that, you know, we get to be in and live in and not feeling like it's a gallery either is, is incredible. So, and you kind of mentioned, you do have a community of people that you, you know, kind of are able to talk with about things. Do you, feel as though like you had a mentor or someone that kind of guided you when you were first getting going with interior design? Yeah. You know, earlier or really early on in my career, just, just when I was opening up my firm, I got to know, uh, Jeffrey Allen Marks, who's an incredibly talented designer, mm-hmm. um, and kind of a, a real genius in my field. And, um, I was able to kind of learn a bit of the ropes from him. Uh, he was kind enough to show me, um, just kind of the, the beginning intricacies of the interior design field, and uh, he stayed a, a good friend and, and uh, mentor throughout the years. And and um, I really do believe that creatives should, should always try to support other creatives, whether it's uh, a really super successful mentor in our field or a new up-and-coming fresh talent. It's about fostering that creativity and not competing with them. And that's something that, uh, you know, I was able to experience with, with Jeffrey and and um, it's something that I hope to do for other designers as I continue to grow and other new talent, you know, starts to trickle down into the uh, interior design community that I'm able to kind of shepherd other designers along the way too and help them express what they're trying to express uh, through their art and through their interiors. So he was definitely one of my mentors, one of many. I've, I've several others that I still keep in good contact with and, and um, just different peers in my field now too. I'm at the point now where I'm able to discuss projects or clients or vendor or things like that with other really amazing professionals um, that are super talented in our, in our craft. So I'm really fortunate for that type of community, that creative community that's really supportive and, and uh, not competitive. Absolutely. No, I really give kudos to you because you are probably one of the most um, inclusive and very much a supporter of the design world and other designers, you know, on your social media, you're posting, but you also tag and, you know, make sure people know who these designs are by. And it's not just your own work, but really kind of supporting uh, other designers, which I think is incredible because there's so many people in this industry, unlike yourself, who feel as though it's necessary to only get ahead themselves and then like leave everyone else in the dust. You know, it's like every man for himself, but you really don't do that, which is incredible. Cause I think that you could easily just be like, I'm, you know, this is me and this is how I'm going to do it. And this is all my work and look at what I can do, but that's not really your, your go-to. Well, thank you. Yeah. When it comes to something like Instagram, you know, I was fortunate enough to kind of start my Instagram at the right time uh, years ago and build on that and, and gain a respectable following. And, and I use my Instagram personally to showcase my work, my life, and really my inspirations. So I'm constantly inspired by other interior designers. And, um, you know, just because it's not my work, uh, doesn't mean that it's not beautiful and, and doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place to be showcased. So I love to showcase other designers work that inspires my work or something that really catches my eye. And, 
again, what I do interior design wise, yes, I'm an artist, but there are many other artists that are involved in achieving the finished product when you're building a home or a commercial space or, uh, you know, I have different surfboard lines that I sell as, as, uh, as art pieces as well. There are a lot of trades that, that I work hand in hand with. So a lot of my designs wouldn't be what they are without the different trades that, that I work with, whether it's, you know, amazing guys that work with tile or my contractors, engineers, uh, my surfboard sh shapers and glassers. And um, there are a lot of different artists who use their expertise in combination with mine to achieve my kind of end goal. So again, it's really just all the artists supporting artists across the board. And I'm a, I'm a big, big, big believer in that. So. Absolutely. As the saying goes, it takes a village. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that it takes <laughs> yes. all these artists and everyone to come together in order to create this final product. So no, that's great. I it love really it. It really does. It really does. Because, you know, I'm not the one that's in there that's uh, laying the flooring and I'm not doing the, the drywall work. And every one of these, every one of these trades and these craftsmen, um, they have their own skill set and they are immensely talented. And you know, the finished result, a lot of times the designer gets the full credit for because, yes, it is our vision, mm -hmm. but uh, there are so many moving pieces and, and cogs in the wheel that are able to make that happen in the end. So my, uh, my hat's off to all the professionals in our industry and photographers, too. Photographers, photographers, you're an amazing photographer. Photographers capture uh, these spaces and give them an everlasting life. So, you know, it's I'm able to post photos of, of work that I've done and other amazing designers have done that credit your photographers because your photographers are the ones that really capture that and put it on film and work with you to, you know, really take that, that, uh, that three D image and make it two D for forever. So grateful for all those photographers out there. Absolutely. I love that. Shout out to those photogs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, you talked about your surfboard line and I was like blown away by how stunning these surfboards are. I actually don't think I've seen one in person yet, but um, you know, if you could kind of explain where that idea came from, cause that is absolutely true artistry as well as all of the other work that you do, but what kind of inspired these surfboards as art to hang on the wall? Well, thank you so much. Uh, one of our very good mutual friends is actually uh, getting a surfboard of mine, so it'll be hanging in her living room shortly, so I think you'll be seeing it soon. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I I uh, I was selected to be part of a design competition, a an amazing competition that's held every year in West Hollywood here. It's called LCDQ Legends Design Week. Mm -hmm. And um, it is a design competition where a, a hand-picked, Several designers are chosen to decorate the storefronts of different shops on Melrose and uh, La Cienega in kind of the design quarter of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I mean, legends, uh, legends of legends of legends are chosen to do this 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 uh, competition every year. Nate Burkis and and uh, Jeffrey Allen Marks and and Windsor Smith and really just legends in our field. And I was selected, uh, I want to say maybe 2016 or 17, to uh, do one of the window storefronts. And I used some surfboards in my window display. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up winning the competition that year. Wow. And um, I got a lot of comments on the boards. And I had used surfboards previously in some of my residential projects because, again, I live in Los Angeles. Coastal inspiration has always been a big part of my design aesthetic. 
So, you know, updated modern coastal living and surfboards are kind of a, uh, surfboards have a, an innately, uh, cool and a chic factor to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love using them because they're really sculptural. And I thought what better way to use this, this piece of, you know, sporting equipment that is what my boards are able to be utilized out on, uh, out on the surf, mm. but what better way to kind of like use this beautiful piece of sporting equipment as also an art piece that brings a lot of personality into a space. And, um, so I came up with the idea of just doing them in different unexpected patterns and prints that reflected my design aesthetic. And, uh, so I launched the JTD stone surf collection. And Mm -hmm. then about two years later, I launched the JTD skin surf collection. So the first stone surf collection is all inspired by marble and tile and stone. So, these surfboards are are simulated marbles, tile inlays, um, and the skin surf collection is all inspired by uh, crocodile. So they're all crocodile prints in blacks, whites, and nudes with simulated brass inlays, and they uh, they're high performance boards that you can use and actually go surf on. But they're also just beautiful art pieces that you can lean up against your wall or you know hang above your sofa or above your mantle, um, and and have as a, uh, a really beautiful art piece that invokes conversation. Yeah, it was just a hunch. I had a feeling that it was something that I needed to pursue and it felt right. And uh, I think now I'm about four years in and I have two more collections in the works. And and um, yeah, I'm just grateful that they resonate with, with, uh, with so many people. That's so awesome. It's so funny because when I first saw them, I thought it was an actual marble uh, surfboard. And I was like, wow, that thing must be heavy as F and, you know, really difficult. But then, yeah, when you explain that there are actual surfboards with the print on them and you can actually use them, which I think is even more cool. Um, yeah, I was like blown away by it, but you, you talk about marble and it's funny, my kind of running little joke is that you're the king of marble because you, (laughs) you have so much of it and so beautifully incorporated into your interior design work. What is your kind of passion for marble or kind of where does that derive from? If you have a place where it came from? Yeah. Well, thank you. No, I mean, marble is kind of my thing. You're right about that. Um, I, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to design finishes. So I love marble because it's, it's obviously an organic element in stone. Uh, no pieces of marble are ever the same. Every single piece of marble, uh, is unique. And there are so many variations, types of marbles. Um, there's so much that can be seen. It's almost like a Rorschach test. Like when you look at a piece of marble, you can see different patterns, different, you know, photos. If you book match marble, where you kind of like butterfly and you add the veining is, is mirrored. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it elicits a lot of different responses from different people. People see butterflies or people see images. And I just feel like it's a, a timeless material that never goes out of style. Yes. You know, maybe the way you finish it, whether it's honed or, or polished, you know, those things may come and go, but, uh, you know, it's, you look at buildings like every, amazing ancient Roman building was built out of marble mm-hmm. and most of my kitchen countertops are covered in marble. So it's like this timeless, unique material that is, uh, just a, a beautiful statement in, in most of my designs. I'm just, yeah, it's one of those things I'm really, really attracted to. And I use it almost in every project. So you're right to say I'm the king of marble. I'm, I'm 
I'll take that. <laughs> yes, definitely. Put that on, put that on I, your, I own it. Yeah, exactly. Your trademark. I love it. Right. So you talked about, you know, Roman history and the fact that marble has kind of withstood time. I was curious as to what or where you get your design inspiration from, you know, is it through travel or is it through art? I mean, like you said, you're an artist yourself. So um, where do you really get inspiration for each project that you work on? Literally everywhere. I'm inspired everywhere by everything at any time. Um, yes, travel is immensely inspiring, but you know, obviously after this last year where nobody's been traveling, yeah. uh, and you're kind of, you know, st- stuck inside. Um, I find it really inspirations in nature. I find inspiration in, uh, in music in film in fashion in um, just about anything. I feel like as an artist, you should be able to be inspired by, you know, the pattern that rain leaves on a window or the, uh, the colorway of a, of a sunset, or, you know, you see an amazing collection by Gautier or by, uh, Tom Ford and just his, the lines of how his fabric, uh, drapes on, on the human body. Just, there's so many different things that inspire me Mm. and, uh, it doesn't really matter what, what field they're in. I can kind of take them in, filter them through my kind of interior design lens and, you know, design a sofa that's inspired by maybe one of Tom Ford's collections or um, design a, a, a wallpaper that's custom that's based off of, you know, the the falling rain on a windowsill. So that those kind of things, um, as a creative, you should really be able to find inspiration in absolutely anything and everything at all times, because once you stop being inspired, it's really hard to create. So talking about all of these moments that you just kind of expressed, do you find yourself taking a lot of photos to keep that inspiration or be inspired by it later and integrate it? Or how do you kind of pull all of these things and use them to ultimately make your design? Or does it all just stay locked up in your mind? You know, it's a healthy mix of, I think, all of the above. I, mm. I love photography, so I collect a lot of photos. If I see something I'm inspired by, I'll snap a photo of it. Um, I love Pinterest, like mm. every other human being on the earth does. Love Instagram. I'm obviously very visual, so anything, any visual medium is something that um, really kind of helps inspire me. I love magazines still, like going through physical copies of magazines on a weekend and finding things that inspire me. But I think in another lifetime, I think uh, photography would be something that would really capture my eye too. Because I just, mm. I, I love to, uh, I love to frame different shots out in a certain way. When I photograph my interiors, I have very specific ideas of which shots I want, how I want the room to be captured, um, how I want the lighting to be, uh, the angle of of, uh, of uh, where I want to shoot from, and um, the exposure levels, all those kind of things. I'm very intrigued by and interested in. So. I think maybe in another lifetime, I would uh, I would delve into a bit more photography. Well, you're very young still, so please don't uh, <laughs> say that you couldn't still do it. I know that a lot of as and especially as an artist, you know, I mean, not that right, you know you couldn't do it, but I guess I'm saying, yeah, you could definitely pick it up. I think that because you know specifically what you like and what you don't like, and like you said, the exposure levels and the angle, because you're actually photographing your art, right? Which is this interior design. So you know best how to capture that. So who's to say, I mean, you could definitely pick up photography and start at least starting your own, uh, you know, photography for your work. It's definitely something that, uh, 
would be wise, I guess, or, or definitely something you could do. Doesn't so take, true. Doesn't take another lifetime. <laughs> no, that, no, that's true. But, re- but you know, it, it really, like I said before, like hats off to professional photographers. It really is an art in, in and of itself as well. It, there is so much that goes into it. Uh, and just there's a lot of education there to really capture, um, you know, to capture the spaces that I've designed at least right. at, at a certain quality a certain professional level and so that takes a lot of, of learning and experience and time and and um you know uh yes i have definite opinions and i have definite likes and i, I definitely want to capture my aesthetic in a certain way but a true professional is the one to to go to for those kind of things at least you know at this stage of my life because there are just so many nuances that i'm still unfamiliar with and uh i have to lean on my photographers to really get me to that place so got it no, I totally understand. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't talk too much because I actually <laughs> went and I went to a three year accelerated program to get a professional BA in photography. So right? yeah, I mean, and you're fantastic. So you're yeah, exactly. Proof is in the pudding right there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So Jeff, has there been kind of a moment, I don't know at what time in your career since establishing your firm and everything that you've really felt like, wow, I really quote unquote made it that, you know, something you have really fought for and then finally got that. Yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, I think there are, there are always moments like that. Um, Mm. I'm one, uh, I'm one that is, I'm working on, but I'm not great at staying in the present moment. Mm. So I'm really trying to become more mindful and live in the present, but I'm always looking to the future. I'm always looking at the next step in my career, the next thing to achieve. I'm not one to really kind of like revel in or, or sit in my achievements. Um, so I think there are constantly different things that uh, that have happened where I feel like, oh wow, I've I've made it. You know, I've been, I won that uh, design competition I spoke of earlier, LCDQ, and I kind of came in pretty green. I'd never done it before. It was a giant experience for me, and to come out winning, I was like, wow, you know, my peers think I'm something to be to be taken seriously. So that was definitely a moment. I think uh, having my surf collection featured in El Decor uh, in print as uh, they're like what's hot. Uh, feature. I think that was a moment where I was like, wow, I've made it. Um, I've been featured on CNN. I think that was a moment again, where I, I felt like I made it. And so I think as, as a, as a, as a creative and, and a professional that, that is always kind of looking to continue succeeding and to take the next step and to keep growing and evolving and changing. I think they're probably going to be benchmarks like that along uh, my trajectory where I feel like, again, I need to be reminded like, oh, you know what? This is a great moment that I had maybe dreamed of and now I'm experiencing it. So I need to sit in that, really um, appreciate it and then, you know, again, move on to the next moment. But uh, yeah, I think there there are a couple moments where I feel like I really made it. But I don't know. I feel like there's so much more to achieve and so much more to uh, to learn and do that I never want to sit in that too too long because... Uh, there's so many more things to, to, to achieve, to make me feel like I made it again. So that's the way I look at it. No, I love that. Yeah. Not resting on our laurels, but yeah, constantly moving forward and seeing what else we can achieve or what we want to achieve. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you could, uh, you know, what kind of brings you the most happiness now versus let's say when you first started, like, has that changed since now really establishing yourself, um, as your firm and your design work? I think what brings me happiness now is I have reached a level in my career where, uh, more of my clients, whether they're returning clients or new clients, 
have a stronger sense of my aesthetic and give me uh, more control and trust me a little bit more so um, because they've either experienced my work previously or because they're familiar with my other work. Um, that brings me happiness when I'm able to kind of, obviously I want to please my clients and deliver them something that exceeds their expectations creatively and, you know, functionally. But I love it when a client says, you know what, you know, best with this, I trust you to execute this and to deliver me something that, that maybe I'm not capable of visualizing or, or, you know, thinking of on my own. So when I have more of that kind of implicit trust from a client, that brings me a lot of happiness. And I think early on in my career, I was just, you know, uh, happy to work. And of mm -hmm. course, I'm always happy to work still. But um, when I have clients that are really like, you know, do what you want with this, or I trust you to do this, I think it's going to, you know, end up to be something amazing. That that makes me happy. Kind of when you release the shackles of micromanagement or a client that second guesses your every move, that uh, that brings you a lot more creative freedom and you feel a sense of creative control. And I think that uh, ultimately gives me happiness. So, so true. It's funny. I think I just saw a meme the other day that said like the $500 client versus the $50,000 client and the $50,000 client is, yeah, please just do what you do best. And it's amazing. And the $500 client is, so I really think that you really need to do it like this. And I was also wondering if you could do this and I yes. don't like this. And it, it's kind of like all these <laughs> things that come with it. And so, yes, yeah, I think similarly, like as creatives, it's kind of like, you're when you first start out, you get stuck on the idea that I just need to work, right? You need to pay the bills, you need to, right. you know, live. But when you've been able to, you know, establish yourself and have clients that trust you and are willing to give you, you know, what you're worth, right? Instead of like right. fighting them for it, you don't really have to question this, like, you know, what if or but, you know, and that's not to say, obviously problems don't arise. I'm sure you definitely still have. Oh my you know. God. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, I have to be very careful with saying that because, you know, no matter where you are in your career, you're always going to experience pushback from difficult clients. And that's always going to be, you know, uh, uh, something you're going to have to manage and work with. But, mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying for the most part, right. Like with gained experience and hard work, uh, you tend to maybe attract clients. Hopefully I think that, tend to trust you and trust your creative vision and let you execute what you were hired to do instead of, you know, the once every once in a while nitpicky difficult clients that are looking over your shoulder and questioning every decision you make. And, you know, that stifles your creativity and that's exactly what you're there to do is create. So, right. Absolutely. Uh, amen to, amen to all that. Yeah. Have you ever had to fire a client or like in the middle of yes. a project? Really? <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. It's happened. You know, because here's the thing, uh, you know, we are creatives, we're artists, but we are also business people because yes. to be successful artists that make a living right in this, you know, 3d world that we live in, it'd be great to be able to just like, you know, do all of our art and just put it out there in the universe and be rewarded somehow. But, you know, we live in a capitalist society where you have to make sure that you're taking care of your, your, you know, the business end of things and make sure that you're, uh, being compensated for your work and your ideas. Um, and, uh, yeah, if there is a client that, you know, maybe is inappropriate or a client that, um, just steps over some, uh, some boundaries that are, uh, not cool, then, 
business is business, you know, and sometimes you have to cut ties and move forward and walk away. So yes, it's happened. I'm sure it's probably going to happen again, but let's, uh, let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think it's a very tricky balance between art and commerce, right? So it's definitely, Absolutely. yeah, it's finding that balance. I think that too often I am such an artist, especially as a photographer that I don't know or I don't like the business side of things, but I've realized, especially as I've gotten older and been in this industry for much longer now, that you really have to stand up for yourself. And first is actually the business. And then secondary comes really the artwork that you're doing for these clients. So I'm sure, yeah, you definitely have had those situations. I actually, oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever fired a client or stepped away. I've definitely come to the edge of wanting to break or just saying like, a no, like enough, but, um, I feel like your work is a longer process than mine necessarily. So I'm sure after a while it's kind of like, okay, we we're done. Like this is, this is it. You know, and the, the, the fortunate thing is that it hasn't happened often. I want to say, honestly, maybe just a couple of times in Mm -hmm. my entire career, but sometimes it's necessary because, you know, look, all, every human, every person needs to be able to set boundaries that are healthy for them. And, uh, especially, being a creative, what we do is so abstract in a lot of ways that it's uh, hard. It's hard for, I think, some creatives to integrate what they do from that creative side of their brain and uh, tie that in with the business aspect of compensation and, you know, trademarking or making sure that all your your eyes uh, are dotted and your T's are crossed when it comes to uh, comes to running running your actual business, because people can steal your ideas very easily. People can, you know, drain you of your creative energy and, you know, not compensate you correctly in the end. So really a lot of it is just drawing boundaries and sticking to them that are healthy and, uh, that, um, allow you to do what you're meant to do. With all the projects that you are doing and the busy man and firm that you have, you know, what is your work ethic like, you know, cause it's no easy task to be a creative and do the work. So what do you really have to do for yourself in order to get all of the work done? Uh, my work ethic. I'm a, I'm a really hard worker. I'm, I'm a perfectionist mm-hmm. and that is, <laughs> it's a bit of a, uh, it's a double-edged sword because it's great. I've learned to channel that perfectionism into my work, mm-hmm. which strengthens my finished product and, uh, I usually create spaces that I'm very proud of just because of my eye for detail and my, my level of, of perfectionism. But it is also a weakness in some points too, because, uh, I am at times holding out for like the best idea or the best accessory or the best, you know, tile or the best tone for paint or wallpaper, whatever it is. So I have to overcome that at times and, uh, just, pull the trigger, go with the gut feeling. And so I, when it comes to my work ethic, I'm kind of always working. I know that sounds cliche, but I'm always working. I'm always creating in my head. I'm always uh, envisioning a client's bathroom or kitchen or their living space or you know a commercial property that I'm doing and trying to figure out ways around um, a problem that I have in that project. So I'm 
I'm kind of always working. So I guess that's my work ethic is to always be working on one, one level or another, if that makes any sense. Yes, no, absolutely. How do you, I mean, with that being said, how do you, how do you split the time between your personal time and constantly kind of quote unquote being on the clock? I mean, you're the boss, right? So you own the firm and it's not necessarily always working, but for your own like mental health really, and your, your sanity, how do you really keep that going? If your work ethic is to always kind of finding that perfectionism and I can relate, but really constantly still going after it and then still having a sense of like you time um i think this is the the best advice that i can give other creatives that are you know possibly listening to this is again setting boundaries with clients so i work normal business hours monday through friday Mm -hmm. and you know it's my my firm is reachable during that time um but i'm not always accessible to my clients so Mm -hmm. i'm not one that you know, gives my personal sellout to all my clients. I'm not one that's being texted all hour, all hours of the day. Um, so that I'm able to, to disconnect at a certain point and either lose myself in my own creative process where I don't feel pressure from clients, um, or, you know, veg out and do something that fulfills or nourishes my spirit, you know, whatever that may be. So Mm. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm naturally introverted. So I like a lot of time, on my own to just kind of like process to, to deep think, to read, to listen to music, to spend time with family and friends, whatever that is. But, um, it really is about setting boundaries in just every facet of your life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I totally understand. Yeah. Giving out the cell phone. I mean, sometimes I question cause my phone number is out there everywhere. It's like on my website, <laughs> on Instagram, like you can pretty much access me at any time. And it's kind of scary. Um, she just recently had a situation where someone did reach out to me and it ended up being kind of a scam, but they found me through oh, no. Instagram. And Uh-oh. I mean, I didn't fall for it. It was just really bizarre. It was kind of like, yeah. wow. So yeah, accessibility is definitely a thing. Yep. But actually, I wanted to know, because you did bring up in earlier on was, um, you know, you said kind of raising the next generation. I wanted to know, do you have like an intern program or are you working with assistants that you're really kind of trying to train as, you know, they learn design and um, how to, you know, kind of run the firm, if you will? Yes, uh, I have had multiple interns throughout the years and uh, assistants as well. And I've, I have a couple assistants now that are fantastic they they both bring different levels of creativity different levels of expertise and uh different visions to my work which i'm always open and i love to hear other people's opinions you know definitely that i work with and that i respect other people's opinions on on uh different spaces or things that i'm creating ultimately you know i am the the final say in everything Mm -hmm. that i produce and, and create but um i really want to engage the people that work for me and make them a part of, of the process so that they're then able to, you know, whatever point they're ready in their careers to leave me and to, uh, you know, be able to, to delve into whatever they want to do, whether it's interior design, if they want to follow, you know, my footsteps and become interior designers or artists on their, on their own, that I've at least given them the tools to navigate the industry to a degree that uh, they learn my process and can maybe hopefully make it their own or use it a bit so that it dovetails along with their own creative process and, and makes their journey a little bit easier. 
That's great. I love it. Yeah. I, I actually forgot that I had done internships here in LA when I was in school in Santa Barbara. And yeah, they were so integral of really learning kind of what the industry is really like, because, you know, when you're in school, they don't really give you the full knowledge. You know, it's kind of like, this is the academic side of things, but to go in and work at a design firm or for my case, working with photographers, you know, and assisting and learning is really kind of the basis or the grounds for someone to really kind of like, you know, blossom and grow and understand, um, you know, for, for what really happens while you're working, you know, not just totally that academic side. I mean, so that, that's, that's what I always call like baptism by fire. It's like being <laughs> thrown into the process and, you know, and I want other creatives too, that are listening to this to know that not every experience, whether you're working for another designer or working for an artist or whatever it is, or, you know, working with clients, not every experience is going to be rosy. It's not going to mm. be perfect. And I have had some very challenging experiences, especially more so early on in my career um, when I was kind of trying to find my own way. And Mm -hmm. uh, I learned just as much from those experiences in what not to do and how I didn't want to conduct my business or how I didn't want to operate with vendors or or my clientele that then I did with, you know, great positive experiences. So as long as you're always open to the lesson and you take that lesson for what it is and implement it later on in life, whether you choose to do the complete opposite or to do, you know, uh, to, to take that lesson on and, and integrate it into your, your work life or whatever that is. But everything that you experience is a lesson and, and meant to teach you something. So if you look at it from that vantage point, then uh, I think you're pretty much golden. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. So what's maybe one thing that you've really learned about yourself uh, working in this industry? I would. I would say uh, to trust my gut, and I've always had a, a strong uh, a strong gut. Um, it's always been something that is my intuition is uh, is a big guiding factor for me. But I've really learned to tune into that more so in I would say the last decade or so, just mm-hmm. because it's something that when I'm creating, and I know a lot of, of artists and creatives can feel like this. When you feel like something is right, not necessarily from a, a space of your head, but almost from your heart, it mm-hmm. just feels right. It's a gut intuitive knowing, then you follow that. Whether it's a uh, a career opportunity, whether it is selecting the right furniture piece or the right accessory for a space, business opportunity, whatever that may be. If your gut, if that gut reaction is a yes, learn to listen for that, trust it and move forward and go, go ahead with it. Even if it's something that scares you or that intimidates you, because if your gut really says yes to it, there's something there for you. So that's something that, um, I've learned about myself even more so to really trust my gut and to listen to it. Yes. No, I 100% agree. I think that that's, I mean, and I think it also comes with age as well, right? We're not giving out our ages, but definitely (laughs) when I was younger, we'll say I definitely didn't trust my gut. And, you know, I feel like there's always such so many outside forces that want to influence you or tell you how or why you should do something. And so, yeah, trusting your gut and knowing that like, this is me as an artist, no matter what, I'm not going to be swayed by someone that someone's comment or whatever is really kind of such an, such an imperative thing for you to be able to really like flourish or really, you know, see your success. Totally. And not even just, and not to get too meta here too, but I mean, (laughs) yes, there are so many outside influences that can kind of like 
can uh, put a veil over what your intuition might suspect to be correct, but also your own ego. Like there are so many things, the, those kind of like your inner Shabbatur, those voices in your head that say, oh, you shouldn't, oh, you're not good enough, or you're not experienced enough, or don't do that, or whatever that voice is that's keeping you down, to learn to separate that from what your intuition is saying is another, like an amazing tool and a gift that I've learned to kind of hone Again, like you say, as I've gotten older, but again, that comes with experience as well and really learning to differentiate the two, your ego or your your intuitive knowing. Do you have like a personal, like spiritual or faith-based something that has also kind of helped you through that process when you, you know, you're talking about uh, not letting your inner ego or saboteur kind of take over? Um, do you find yourself, you know, needing to do something, if you will? Yeah. No, yeah, I'm I'm super spiritual. I was uh, I was born and raised Catholic, but I don't consider myself necessarily r- religious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very spiritual. I am uh, very philosophical. I am very curious. I'm a very curious person, and I love to question things. Mm-hmm. I love to do my own research. And uh, and again, I think when you're curious and when you go down that path of curiosity to find answers. Um, whether you find them or not, you will find things that resonate with you. Hmm. So spiritually speaking, kind of realizing that your gut or your intuition is pulling you in one direction or another. And, you know, just trying to like align your, your, your vibrational frequency with, uh, that of your highest self of your highest good to make sure that you're operating from a place of, um, like knowing what your intentions are. So making sure that those are pure, like, why am I taking this job? Why am I doing this? Why am I choosing this? Uh, and making sure that your intentions are always pure behind your actions and your choices. Um, I feel like those, those things, like knowing those things, uh, have helped protect me from a lot of negative experiences. And, and I don't know, I consider that, uh, you know, that's my own form of spirituality. Mm. No, I love that. That's great. Yeah. I think that, um, having a sound mind and making, you know, the decisions is definitely necessary because there's a lot of other crap kind of going around, especially in Los Angeles. And yeah. So yeah. Finding, finding that sense of like self as well, you know, and being like, yeah. Yeah. Centered is, is super necessary. Um, so do you, (laughs) do you have, um, someone who's kind of your biggest supporter or fan of who's really helped you to keep going maybe when those times are tough or things that have kind of gotten you down? Yeah. You know, I would say my family, my family is always a big support. My sister especially is my best friend. Mm-hmm. We're exceptionally close. I think we are, uh, we're twins in another lifetime, but, um, mm-hmm. we, uh, we support each other in all of our endeavors. We're each other's sounding boards. Um, we're always there to lift each other up and give each other advice, um, celebrate each other's achievements. Uh, and just, uh, I just feel really, really lucky. And I know she does too, to, that we have each other. And, um, I have a very close knit family in general. My mom is fantastic. Uh, my dad's passed away, but my brother-in-law, like just my, my immediate family is, is a real gift to me. And I, I, um, I am very grateful for their support and their, uh, their kind of, you know, their, their advice and, and, um, their love really. No, I shout out to Kelly, your sister. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Kel. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, 
No, I think family is so important. And I know that, like you said, is very important to you as well. And yeah, those supporters are the ones that I think we can kind of lean on and be able to keep going because, you know, as artists and creatives, it's definitely no easy task. Like you kind of mentioned before, it's not the the given path of doctor, lawyer and or businessman. Yep. So um, yeah, someone- <laughs> Businessman just in a different way than my parents expected, right? So, exactly. Definitely a businessman, just differently than my parents had uh, anticipated. Anticipated, I think. 100%. <laughs> so you kind of tapped into this a little bit, but obviously last year was, you know, the attack of COVID-19 um, and yep. it affected, you know, really everybody worldwide um, in all kinds of ways. But what was it that kept you really going during this pandemic and going into 2021? Or how did that really affect you as your business? Because obviously, you know, doing site visits and working with your clients on their locations and homes or, you know, their properties, um, like how did that really affect you? And how were you able to get through it and come into this year? So, you know, I consider myself extremely privileged with getting through this last year with, you know, not only my business surviving and, and, um, having my health and my family's health. And there are, you know, so many, so many aspects of that, that I'm grateful for. Um, but I really was privileged enough to use this last year to my own benefit. I stayed home, obviously, a ton. Uh, my family and I took COVID extremely seriously. So I really took that time to reflect a lot, to to do some deep diving, to to create, to become inspired, to to read a lot. Um, I, you know, was my family's all local, so we were able to kind of have our own very small close knit pod where we really only saw each other mm-hmm. through COVID, but we were very you know lucky to have that. And we all remained healthy and uh, very grateful for that. And the precautions that we took all of us uh, to stay that way. But I really used it as a time of self-reflection as a time to get in tune with my own spirit again, and uh, to reconnect with um, what's important to me, you know, to when you cut away a lot of the extraneous frivolous, uh, the frivolous pursuits of everyday life and the things that are maybe are distractions. And when you are able to pare all those things away and sit in literal isolation and think about what's important to you, what matters to you most, um, listen to your own kind of like creative spirit and, uh, live in that space and really embody it without any distractions. I found to be extremely rewarding again, very privileged to be able to do that because, you know, COVID disproportionately affected so many different people mm-hmm. in so many different ways. I was so lucky that I was not one that, you know, was out on the front lines or, or having to, to work, um, to be able to put food on the table at grocery stores or, you know, be a frontline worker in that way. So, mm-hmm. um, I feel extremely lucky and grateful for that. And I had wonderful clients, uh, still have wonderful clients, that, um, you know, we all kind of made it work working remotely through zoom and a lot of like, you know, curbside drop-offs of samples and things like mm-hmm. that. And then zoom calls and, and, um, you know, where the, there's a will, there's a way. So I was fortunately able to do that for most of COVID, but, um, yeah, it's just, I used it really as, as much as I could to be a, a learning experience. I think that it was kind of two versions of COVID, right? Which was to learn from it, like you're talking about, or to kind of make it this 
why me? Why is this situation, you know, and not mm-hmm. really using the time because there was a lot of time uh, to be able to yep. really self-reflect and, and grow. And yeah, I mean, you talk about kind of like privilege as well. And I know that for mm-hmm. me personally, it really made me reflect on my privileges, my ability, my, uh, you know, the fortune I have, if you will, to be able to um, do what I do, but also that, like you said, I'm not working a frontline job and putting myself was not at risk constantly, you know, as like an essential worker and everything. So, yeah, I think it gave me so much more appreciation for those people, but also really made me kind of see myself in a, a different light and understand kind of how fortunate I am. And if I could give any of that back to um, anyone, you know, I really would. And so, absolutely. Yeah. And so that actually brings me to the reason for this podcast was really, it was born out of COVID um, because I had all this time to think about it. And <laughs> I, I really realized that, you know, as creatives, because we're not someone I should say um, who, you know, have the nine to five or who just are guaranteed, like, you know, a, a paycheck every two weeks, it is kind of this constant fight. And so I think that, the analogy, which I've said multiple times now on every podcast, but you know, yeah. is that in Buddhism, we talk about this lotus flower representing uh, the simultaneity of cause and effect. So, mm-hmm. you know, out of muck and the the mud, this lotus flower kind of blooms, right? But it seeds and flowers at the same time. And so it's kind of like saying like every struggle or the the gunk underneath ultimately leads to this beautiful, you know, lotus blossom. And so um, I feel like creatives are like that. I mean, everyone is like that really, but we have to like really fight a lot of struggle or kind of the, the gunk underneath in order to kind of bloom um, and not only see success, but to, to be happy, you know, in our, in our state of life. No, absolutely. I love that analogy too. That's so absolutely spot on. Yeah. So what is your, what is your Lotus Blossom, if you will, uh, look like to you? You know, I think kind of, uh, kind of like what we've been talking about. Um, it's, I try to take every, I've, I've learned to try to be more present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And when I am met with adversity or when I'm met with a difficult situation, I try to recognize it in the moment and realize, okay, this is difficult right now, but I'm meant to grow from this. So there's something in this experience that I'm meant to learn from so that I can either do something differently next time. I can either, uh, you know, now that I know more, I will do something differently or I will do better or I will, you know, come to a different, uh, different answer in the end or whatever it is. So I try to take that adversity, learn from it and, uh, be present in the moment and realize instead of throwing your hands up and being, Oh, why me? Oh no. Oh, why this or why that to realize that everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. It is just a moment in, moment in time. I need to learn the lesson, push through it. And when I've done that successfully, I usually end up for the better, whatever that problem is, is solved with a better conclusion, whatever adversity I, I'm met with, I come out stronger on the other side or I'm happier with the end result and I usually won't have that same situation happen to me twice. That's what I've learned thus far. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's probably my my lotus lotus flower moment idea. Love it. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, I think um, 
you know, I believe that, you know, every struggle we're given is like uniquely to us, but in the sense that we have everything, we have all the capacity and ability to overcome it, but it's a matter in really believing in ourselves, right. In order to take it on, like you said, do I accept this struggle and go, aha, this is a great struggle for me to like learn something from and break through, or do you get defeated by it the moment it arrives and just say, okay, I, I give up or give in, you know, but the older we get too, right? Bigger and more and different struggles kind of start to come up. So it's almost like everything before that was like the training to lead up to where we're at currently. Totally. Exactly. I, I couldn't have said that better myself. It's very true. You're always going to be met with a new problem, a new circumstance. And you know, if you don't learn your lesson the first time, the universe has a way of presenting you with the same problem over and over and over again, maybe in different packaging until you learn your lesson. So that in and of itself, recognizing that you know you're meant to learn something through a difficult situation, is I think a, a great lesson that I've learned. So I try to implement it as much as I can. Awesome, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, so, kind of looking to the future, what are some of the goals that you have, maybe for like the next year, three, five, ten years from now? What does Jeff Trotter Design look like, or you know, family settling down, relationship? Et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think I, I have a lot of goals. I find it really healthy to set goals. Um, mm-hmm. I find that it's healthy to dream and dream bigger than you, sh- you know, dream bigger than you ever expect to dream. So I have a lot of different goals I'd love to achieve. Uh, I hopefully, you know, in the next five, 10 years, will still be designing and doing things that uh, fill me with passion. Um, I'd love to expand and different uh, product lines and and things like that and personally i just want to be happy whatever mm. fills my cup and leaves me feeling fulfilled emotionally spiritually mentally all this thing just being happy healthy and doing what i love and, and sharing you know my art with as many people as possible and and uh that's really all i can ask for and again like i'm always a focused so focused on the future I'm always goal setting. I'm trying to achieve the goal, then the next goal, then the next goal that I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I really am trying to live more in the moment and just sit in this present and say, okay, I'm grateful for everything that I have now. I'm grateful for all my experiences, all the success that I've achieved thus far. And, and, uh, you know, I can only kind of sit in that gratitude, hoping that more, more will come in the future. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm at. Yes. Well said. I love that sitting with the gratitude that you have and not constantly yeah. thinking about the future. Yeah. If you were to talk to your future self, like let's say, yes. you know, 15 years from now, kind of what would you say to yourself um, that you want to kind of, you know, maybe you remind yourself like this is like a, we'll say that this is the time capsule bubble time of, capsule. Of, of time in 2021. <laughs> what would I say to myself? Uh, congratulations for always following your gut for trusting your intuitive knowing, for not second-guessing your creative abilities. And uh, you are where you are in your life because you went out and achieved it. You manifested it and you achieved it. And um, all the abundance that you sit in is because you believed you were worthy of it and you believe you're worthy of it and you are worthy of it. Wow. Yes. That's drop, what I'm going to tell myself. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> drop the mic and we out. No, that's so, so well said. I love it. You should be a, um, 
a motivational coach or you can definitely <laughs> give uh, some some TED Talks or something. That's that was great. Oh, hey, it's all about sharing your sharing your love and light, right? Hundred percent sharing, yeah, sharing your story, sharing who you are. I think is totally. is what it's about for sure. Well, um, thank you so much. I really just want to make sure that people are able to follow you and kind of see your work. So, on Instagram, like, what's your at handle and what is also your website if we want to check out more of your amazing design work? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me and giving me this platform, and I really appreciate the time. And uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at Jeff Trotter Design. Uh, my website is jefftrotterdesign.com. Pretty much the same across social channels. Uh, J Trotter Design, I think, on Pinterest. Come head over to my website, check out my JTD Stone and Skin Surf collections, and uh, check me out on Instagram. Fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I know you're a very busy man with all of the design work that you're doing. And so I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what is to come from Jeff Trotter Design. No, thank you so much, Alan. I appreciate it. And you as well. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Wow. Thank you so much to Jeff for such a great interview. I had such a fun time speaking and talking about design. This week's Buddhist quote of the day is, day after day, steadily press ahead one step at a time with all your strength. The accumulation of such small actions, such small triumphs, will result in a historic victory by Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review. And follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode. Mm-hmm.